everyone's got problems to solve. Everyone's got life experiences that put them one step ahead of someone in a given path. And that those are opportunities for businesses and opportunities to serve people. Hey, my name is Felix Tia. I'm the host of Shopify Masters, a weekly podcast powered by Shopify, the easiest way to sell online, in person, anywhere in between. Each week, we invite entrepreneurs like you to share what they've learned growing successful e-commerce businesses. In this episode, you'll learn how to know when you should continue investing in your business versus trying something else. How do you identify the kind of customer you want to sell to and how they get free publicity for their brand? Before our show, I want to share our exciting contest with you. We love sharing and hearing incredible stories from founders and want to help you wherever you are in your business journey. That's why we've teamed up with Elgato and EffieDesk to host a giveaway where the grand prize winner will receive a MacBook Pro, FaceCam, Wave 3 microphone, business office desk, Airy chair, a free year on Shopify, and so much more. There will also be nine runner-ups winning a year-long subscription for Shopify. The winners will be selected randomly on October 1st, 2021, and the contest is open to North America, excluding Quebec. For more details, visit shopify.com slash prize and complete all three steps to enter. Today, I'm joined by Dustin Reekman from Fire Creek Snacks. Fire Creek Snacks sells better for you protein snacks that are the perfect marriage between clean ingredients and exceptional taste. And was started in 2018 and based out of Jerseyville, Illinois, and has sold over $1 million in snacks online. Welcome, Dustin. Thanks, Felix. Really a pleasure to be here with you. Yeah, so the story behind Fire Creek Snacks. So you discovered this, 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 this Fire Creek Snacks already at the brick and mortar shop. So tell us more about that. Tell us about how you discovered what was that experience? Yeah, absolutely. So it was 2018. It was a really interesting time in my life because I just left an 18 year engineering career. So that's my background's always been in engineering consulting, but I was wanting to try some different things. I had numerous online businesses and side hustles. And so I finally pulled the trigger in early 2018. And so my mindset was kind of looking for new opportunities. I was working with some local clients, some online clients and helping do marketing consulting. So I was in a new butcher shop in our hometown in Edwardsville, Illinois, which is about an hour from Jerseyville. And my wife were just, we were just in there shopping, you know, checking out some of the selections, got some hamburgers to cook. And uh, I found this bag of of jerky and it said fire Creek jerky kind of caught my eye because it had a really cool logo. Um, and I was, I was in the branding. And so I got it, got it home. And when I ate some of it, I thought it was really, really good. And so I flipped it around and saw that it was actually made in Jerseyville, Illinois, which really kind of startled me in a way, because that was actually my hometown. I, I grew up there until I was 10 years old and then moved away. It's a very small farm town. Um, yeah, 7,500 people, the county seat in a very rural area. So it was really bizarre for me to see that this package was from Jerseyville. So it intrigued me and I did a little research and I realized that the place I was at, the butcher shop, which was called Hanson Meat Company, it was based in Jerseyville, Illinois also, even though it had a different brand name. So I, I through a friend of a friend, I reached out and, and met the owner of this butcher shop and discovered that he indeed also owned this, it was called Fire Creek Jerky at that point. And so we got to talking and I actually ended up working with him. His name is Ryan Hanson to market his brick and mortar butcher shops. That's, that's that was kind of our first engagement there in 2018. Yeah. So you, you mentioned a couple of things there I want to dive into. First thing was that you had mentioned that you always had 
uh, these kind of side hustles, numerous online businesses. Talk to us about that because I think that a lot of people think, okay, I got to get it right right from the start and hit it out of the park from the beginning. You mentioned that you've had a lot of kind of steps along the way. Tell us about some of the things that you learned along the way that uh, through you know successes or failures and previous uh, ventures that helped you when you uh, when you partnered up to to uh, launch Fire Creek Snacks online. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my very first online business, it still exists. It's called engagedmarriage.com. And that's something I did with my wife. It was really growing out of our relationship and the things that we were doing through our church. So it's kind of an online place for me to write and kind of have a creative outlet. Eventually, we started creating digital products. We have a membership site there. So in the digital side of, you know, it, online marketing and blogging and those sort of things, that, that's been a big part of my history and kind of where I learned a lot. We wrote a book, did a lot of you know live uh, presentations and keynotes. So, and again, that's still active. It's a very much more of a passive part of my life at this point. Um, but I did that and really started in 2009, but really it became a business and it became something significant around 2015 when I really started learning about digital marketing, going to conferences, doing online training, and got a lot more sophisticated in how we were handling that business. And then, yeah, aside from that, I've done all kinds of different side hustles. Um, I've done things like buy golf clubs locally, clean them up. And I became like an eBay power seller back in the day. And I was, so I was buy them local and then sell them online. And then I, I had shin splints one time from training for a marathon. And so I came up with this way to get rid of the shin splints pain. And I ended up doing a YouTube video on that that kind of went viral and a business grew out of that where I was selling these treatment kits, you know, icing, ice bags and uh, different things that you could use, foam roller, et cetera. And so I think what I developed through those years is just an eye for opportunities. And that that's a mindset that I work. I do a lot of business coaching now, mostly online people. And a lot of what we try to unpack is what's the true opportunity that you are passionate about and who do you actually want to serve? Because, you know, there's an infinite number of things you could do. So you might as well choose something that you want to do. And so I did a lot of these kind of random businesses, things that were all based on my own life experiences. Um, and it's kind of culminated in Fire Creek. And, and there's, there's been a lot more success with Fire Creek. But I think there's no way that would have happened had I not had this wide variety of experience for the, I guess that's 12 years, you know, uh, going back when I started Engaged Marriage. Yeah, it sounds like the the kind of methodology that you took was just to try things, try things out. And I think the the, the question that will pop into someone's head when they're just trying things is how far do you take it before you know that okay, let's keep let this is this is this can be something. Let's keep moving forward versus okay, let's kind of you know pull it back and and try to see what's 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 next. What what else I should be doing? Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and I I. I've, 100% believe in trying lots of different things. Uh, I, it's a, a quality I've really tried to instill in our three kids, you know, tried to help them be entrepreneurial. And, and you know, there's a big mantra and it really, a lot of things culminate in my life around 2018. You know, I quit my job. I was getting in better shape and doing keto. So I, was, I had part of the reason I had an eye for these, you know, healthier meat snacks. Um, and then leaving my job, I, I was trying to do that for like three years. And and this ties into what you're saying. What I finally came to the realization was, was that leaving my engineering job was not a permanent decision. Like I had put so much of my identity in it and I had a master's degree in it. And I had a successful career. So it seemed really crazy to me to leave that and become self-employed. 
and when I finally figured out, I guess I had my own epiphany moment was like, Hey, you know what, if I go and I do my own thing and I, and I have some other businesses and I suck at it, I can just go back into engineering. Like this is not a permanent decision. It took a lot of pressure off my shoulders. And so I think for anyone who's thinking about starting a business or maybe they have a business and they're not sure if they want to, you know, go full, full force into it, that's a healthy mindset is like, you can try things with it without this permanence and this heaviness that like it's all or nothing. Cause almost some, a few decisions in life are permanent, but almost no decisions in life are actually permanent. Yeah. I think there's this belief that that is a, uh know, hurtful or damaging where you believe that there's only one story, right? The story's already told and you just got to kind of, you know, follow that path. But it's kind of like much messier than that. You try a bunch of different things, you pull back and, and so on. And don't think that any, any particular decision, like you're saying, it is permanent. And one thing you mentioned about how you're getting better, you've gotten better over time at deciding what to try is this developing this eye for opportunities. Can you say, say more about that? Like, what does it mean to have an eye for opportunities? Like I can, I, I guess I, I'm, I'm inherently a problem solver. So, you know, that's my engineering background really helps with that. Like I'm, I can typically see like the end result and then the steps to get there. So that helps me be a good business coach. It helps me sell snack sticks. Um, it helps in a lot of ways. So yeah, when I say eye for opportunity, I mean, maybe a, a great example is my kids last year during the pandemic and we were, you know, they were home from school and they were bored and we couldn't go anywhere. They said, you know, we want to be able to make money. And I'm like, well, how, you know, let's think about some ways you could do that. So like they considered some services around our neighborhood. And so they talked about like picking up dog, you know, waste. Um, they talked about a few different things. And so I helped them just kind of think through that. Like, what's the opportunity here? You know, is this something you'd want to do? Like what, what would kind of be your hourly rate? And so two of my kids decided they were going to do a trash can cleaning business. So they did that. And is actually, they, they did really well. They, you know, and so they did that last summer and they kind of got through everyone in the neighborhood who wanted that service. And so this year, you know, I said, Hey, you know, we've got a customer list. You've got people that really loved what you did last year. We've got their testimonials. You, do you guys want to do it again? Sure. So I helped them post in a neighborhood Facebook group. They make flyers. They've kind of expanded. Now they do like egress windows because what I told them, I was like, well, when you, start meeting your neighbors and you do a good job, you know, they're going to tip you. They're going to want you to do other jobs. They're going to want you to weed their gardens. They're going to want you to, you know, do these egress window cleanouts. And so that to me, that's just an eye for opportunity. Like I, people drive around our neighborhood all the time. There's dirty trash cans. And, you know, this is the first time I've ever heard. And I've lived, we lived here for eight years of anyone doing this kind of service. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's just this idea that opportunity is everywhere. I mean, there's, everyone's got problems to solve. Everyone's got life experiences that put them one step ahead of someone in a given path. And that, that those are opportunities for businesses and opportunities to serve people. Yeah. And, and when you're thinking about an opportunity, how do you, what do you look at to determine if it is an opportunity worth pursuing? Cause you mentioned here that, that you are just a natural problem solver. So I think there's two parts of that, which is one, uh, what is how to identify the problems and then how to identify the correct solution for it. I guess those two things come together to, to, to highlight an opportunity. Talk to us about those two components of it, the, the identifying problems and identifying the right solution for it. Yeah. So there's, like I said, there's kind of limitless numbers of problems to solve. And the, so it really comes down to where's the intersection of what you're, you have skills in, what you're passionate about, what your experience, uh, you know, 
makes you excited to pursue. So my kids aren't necessarily excited about cleaning trash cans, but in their part of their circumstances in life, they can't drive yet. This was during, you know, the shutdowns. There was not a lot of other opportunities. So they were, they had a really nice set of boundaries, you know, like controls that said, okay, you have a very limited thing that you can do. So now within that, what are the opportunities? So we looked at like neighborhood services in that case. For me, I'm probably not the best to answer the question of how, how do you find the right opportunities because it's it's almost become it has become like problematic, right? It's it's easy for me to take on too much because I'm like, oh, that sounds exciting and that's exciting, and and so I can some, sometimes have too many projects going on at the same time. But whenever I coach other people, I mean, kind of where we start is almost all of them are doing something based on their own life experience, right? So say. Um, like I have a coaching client who does online coaching for women with chronic illnesses. So why that, why that opportunity? Well, it's because it was her life story. You know, she has juvenile diabetes when she was 17, she's had two organ transplants and she's come through that with this attitude that like that, that's just part of that's, that's her reality, but she still gets to choose her future. And so we honed in on that and like, that's the opportunity. So once you would define something you're really passionate about, you've got experience in and something you can really help people with you know, that's, that's like the perfect combination of problems and solutions. And so, you know, for, for me, fire Creek was an excellent opportunity because I was eating, I still do. I eat, you know, keto, low carb. Um, my kids have gluten intolerances. One kid has a food allergy. So like I'm a label reader, um, it was a local brand. It was from my hometown. Um, and it had this amazing opportunity in the sense that it was only sold locally at the time that I found it. And I had the ability to partner and bring it online. So like, there's a lot of factors there that made Fire Creek an opportunity that was really worth my time. Yeah, definitely want to talk about that that moment when you made that connection and that partnership and brought it online. Before we get there, one thing I mentioned earlier was around identifying who you want to serve. And I think that this one is often uh, maybe skipped over where you're like, you know, I will serve anyone that will give me money, right? That will pay right. me for my product. So tell us more about that. What is, is that a trap? And like, how do you make sure that you're, you're not just, you know, taking money from, or rather serving anyone that's willing to pay you? Yeah. So when it comes to identifying your audience, I mean, it typically comes pretty natural. It's, it's the people that you like to serve. It's the people that give you energy. It's often people that you're a few steps ahead of in the journey. If you're doing more of a high touch, you know, coaching or consulting or services. Um, so most people kind of gravitate towards a niche based on their own life experiences. So, you know, in Fire Creek, we have many different audiences. And so they're not all going to be my best friend, but there are certain ones that if I'm going to, you know, partner with them uh, on a on on a promotion or be on their podcast or you know do something with their email list, it's going to be because that particular segment, that particular target audience, is someone that gets me excited. Is someone that I know I can serve really well based on my own personal experience. And is this something that you can just kind of is like a thought experiment where you're just thinking like, would I be excited to work with this person or like how often is that? accurate enough, just like you thinking about like go, going through the thought process of asking yourself whether you'd be excited to partner with this person or be excited to, to, to have this person as a client or customer. Yeah. So if it's, you know, I guess a good example, if it's say it's a business coaching client, um, you know, I can look at the surface level and see what they do. Is it something I believe in? You know, I don't want to do something that would contradict with, you know, deeply held personal beliefs, you know? Um, but in the, in those cases, my, my first step is always, you know, free consultation call. And some people view that as, 
you know, me trying to do a sales call and get someone to sign on as a client. And for me, it's the exact opposite. It's very much a transparent conversation. I want to understand their goals, their beliefs, their life experiences, what they're, what, what they're, how they're trying to serve and who they're trying to serve, because I want to be a really good partner for them. If I'm going to you know, do something as deep as business coaching. And so it's much more of a screening process to see if that we're compatible. I mean, it's not as serious as a romantic relationship, but um, when it comes to those types of relationships, it's like dating, right? Like you have to, you have to see if your personalities drive and if you're just a good fit. Um, and that's true to like a 10 X level when it comes to business partnerships, it's, you know, we, we were just talking about promotional partners or coaching clients. You know, those are important that you're compatible and and that you can really serve that person. But you have like a business partnership, like I have with Ryan, and I've had a, a couple in the past. That's much more like a marriage. You know, and it's it's a pretty high level engagement. It's it requires a lot of trust and communication. So it's just it's just a more mature, deeper version of some of these more surface level relationships. Got it. And one one other thing I want to touch on is around this this um this uh thing you're doing where you're cultivating entrepreneurship in your own children. For other entrepreneurs out there that are that want to start teaching their kids or or seeing if there's interest in entrepreneurship, what what recommendations do you have here about introducing children uh, to entrepreneurship? Yeah, I think it is setting that example for them. Um, in my case, it was a fairly extreme example of I went from being gone all the time, working to being home all the time, you know, doing my own thing. And they, they're very used to me saying, all right, I'm going to be in my office doing a call, please, you know, watch the dog. So they kind of see how that, how that works in a practical day-to-day sense. But, you know, for me, it's really just trying to cultivate their natural skills and interests. So I talked about my two kids cleaning trash cans. Again, why I had three kids. So the middle one had no interest in that at all. So was I going to force her to go clean trash cans? No, not at all. My oldest, you know, my oldest is my, my only son. And then my youngest daughter, she is very, they're both very hands-on people. They like to be outside. They like to get dirty. They like to fish, you know? So like that was a good fit for them. My middle daughter is very artistic. And so she's not the type that you would talk to and think, oh, she's entrepreneurial. However, like heading into the holidays last year, she's, she got really into calligraphy and hand lettering. And I said, you know, this, this is awesome. Do you mind if you do a few samples and like, I could post them on online on Facebook and some friends and family and see, you know, for like Christmas gift tags or like custom things for Christmas gifts. And so she's like, got super excited about that for her. It's less about the money. It's more that like, wow, like people would want my stuff. Like, you know, she's 14 years old. And so she did that. She got a lot of business. She was very busy heading up to Christmas, a lot of custom gift tags and things like that. So again, that was just, meeting her where she's at. I'm not forcing her to, you know, I I think the chances she goes on and is a business person and an independent entrepreneur, probably low. I mean, it could be though, but she's loves art. So an art artist can certainly be entrepreneurs. So I I felt like that was, uh, I was really proud of her and really proud of that connection um, that she made that's her, her things have intrinsic value, but they also have a market value if you if you put them out there and, and have some confidence in yourself. Yeah, you know, what I'm hearing about your approach to to uh, to children and, and to your clients, anyone else that's coming to you for advice is that you're getting them to lean into their skills, you said meeting them where they're at, trying to figure out what they're interested in rather than kind of looking for the the fastest or the biggest buck. And I think this goes back to this idea of this like scarcity mindset where uh, you you touched on that there are 
infinite problems and that, that need to be solved. You want to pick one that you're actually passionate about. And I think this is like a, a lesson that a lot of people get, but it's hard to, to live it. Where, maybe give us your, your, your own experience about what, where can you end up that's, if you do just, you know, just optimize for what's the biggest profit or what's the, the biggest business you can grow rather than uh, looking at your, your, your innate skill sets, your innate interests. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I guess an example of that was when I was doing engineering, I was good at engineering. I, you know, I, it, I was, it was, it was a good job. It was something I was very proud of at the time. I, I was a partner in the engineering firm as a privately held company. So in a sense, it was a bit entrepreneurial, but you know, I just, I, I just realized after a certain number of time, I was no longer challenged. I wasn't feeling nearly as excited about that day to day. It, so it wasn't about the money. And so maybe that's where I'm a little bit um, unique. Like I'm probably not the type of guy who's going to go ever be a, you know, a CEO at a very large company and wear a suit and do the nine to five and, and kind of go that route. Even if it was big money, you know, for me, I'm much more driven by doing things I enjoy. I feel like I'm serving people. I feel like um, I have freedom and I have the ability to have kind of almost an unlimited upside in what I do, but it's, it's not going to be the big payoff real quick. I'm not, I'm just not, that's not, that's not what drives me. So I tend to attract clients that are also more purpose-driven. Um, and I think that's funny because people would look externally at what I'm, what I most visibly do, which is fire Creek. And they could say, well, you just sell snack sticks, you know, you, <laughs> you sell snack sticks online, but what, what you don't see in that is the customer service, the passion, the going and sampling and, and, you know, like being part of families' lives that are trying to eat better and kids with food allergies. Like there's, we're doing a lot with snack sticks that isn't what you see in the, you know, if you just walk into it and see it on the shelf at a gas station, there's a lot more behind the brand than that. And that's important to me. So that's part of the reason that like Fire Creek is one of the main things I do. Um, it's because it's much more than just a snack stick. And so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's my mindset. If you were to ask me 10 years ago, um, I, I was, you know, I did a lot of side hustles and things like I mentioned earlier that they just kind of happened or there were opportunities. There was a way to make some money and pay off some debt and, you know, help, help, you know, put kids in my food, food in my kids' mouths when my wife decided to stay home from work. And so I was doing things out of necessity and I could, you can do that for a while. And like, you can grind through that for six months or a year. But for me, I found that, well, there's, once I realized there's a lot of other opportunities, it's like, I might as well be a lot more conscious about what I take on and, and enjoy it. You know, I'm almost, I'll be 42 here soon. So I feel like I'm at a point in my life where, you know, I've, I've done the grind and I've done that stuff. I don't need to do that anymore. And so I want to do things that really make me excited to get up in the morning and, and, and also allow me to have really cool relationships. You know, that's, that's another thing that I've come to really value the past several years is just the relationships um, of, you know, again, whether it's a business partnership, whether it's a promotional partnership, whether it's a client, it's important to me to, to like the people I'm working with on a regular basis. Yeah. And one thing you mentioned was about how you are, you work with a lot of clients and you yourself are, are purpose driven. Is that, is that something that comes easy for you or is that something that, or even your clients or, or do you have to help people develop this, uh, sense for what their purpose is? It's a good question. It comes pretty easy for me now. Um, again, you know, 25 year old Dustin, probably not. I was probably just, you know, trying to make as much per hour as I possibly could doing engineering work and working overtime. Um, and some, and a lot of clients do come to me with, 
a story. So a lot of the way this happens is people have a story. They, they have done something that, that they are passionate about, but they don't have the business foundation worked out yet. Right. So like they've, the health coach example, she's had her personal experience. She's worked with numerous people and, and people have paid her money, but how do you take that and make it an actual business? Cause there's a difference between having a hobby or having something you're passionate about and having a business to make it a business. It has to have a systematic way to get leads and clients and systems in place to, to take care of those clients and, you know, all, all the necessities of business. And so that's a lot of times that's kind of the piece I fill in is getting them a lot more clear that, that people come to me usually when they feel stuck, like, Hey, I've made some progress. I've got a, what I think is a really good business or at least a good business idea, but how do I actually make this a consistent thing? How do I get it out there? How do I, how do I market it and find high quality leads that I know I'm going to love working with? And so that part, a lot of times people aren't clear on because it's a different question than like you can answer, what are you passionate about? But some things you can be passionate about that would never be a business, but finding the intersection of something you're passionate about and something that has market value, you know, it's kind of step two. And then step three is actually making it a business that is, you know, going to give you whatever income and whatever freedom that that you personally desire, right? That's kind of the customization part of, of that's the best part of being an entrepreneur and be able to create these opportunities for yourself. Hey, Real quick, if you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review on iTunes. Let us know what you think or what you'd like to hear more of. Now, let's get back to the interview. Makes sense. Now, well, I want to jump now to how you discovered, once you discover Fire Creek uh, Jerky, you mentioned at the time, you are able to identify the owner of the brand and connect with them and partner with them. Tell us about that because I think a lot of people, you know, don't consider that where it's like, I want to start a business from scratch myself, but you identify an opportunity to collaborate and partner with an existing an existing company or existing product, existing brand. Tell us more about that experience. Yeah, it's it really, uh, really interesting in hindsight to see the, how the dots got connected there. But like I mentioned, I met Ryan. Uh, we kind of hit it off. We're similar in age, similar in family, kind of similar in values. Grew up in the same hometown, even though, even though we didn't know each other at all at the time. I was two years ahead of him. And, uh, and I moved out, like I said, when I was 10. But so kind of what was going on there in that mix was he had this jerky brand. He had some partners in that they had done for a couple of years. They'd been trying to get some local distribution. It just never really got any traction. It was a very difficult product to make, to make consistently. He was trying to do an all natural jerky with no sugar added. Um, so it was difficult. It was expensive. And so he was kind of frustrated with that. He knew the flavors that he had developed were amazing and so he wanted to put them into a snack stick format. So for your listeners that aren't familiar, a snack stick, the traditional thing people would think of as Slim Jim. Um, so we're kind of the anti-Slim Jim in the sense that we're like craft, all natural ingredients, you know, so it's very different, but that's kind of the, the format of the snack. Um, and so he was making that transition. His partners at that time were not really interested in being on that ride. And so he was getting out of that. So he's kind of, a, he was in a point of transition where he had just taken over his family business full-time, the butcher shops. And he had this brand that he believed in, but knew it needed a, a change, a pivot. And that's about the time I was working with him on his marketing. And so we just started collaborating in late 2018. And another, you know, big thing of mine, a big belief of mine is that you lead and give other people wins as much as possible early on. And that's exactly what I did. He was paying me for the marketing for the brick and mortar I said, Hey, I would love to work with you on this fire Creek thing. I'll help you rebrand it as fire Creek snacks. Cause it's not going to be just a jerky product anymore. Um, 
I will build the website. So I built the Shopify site at the end of 2018, all for free. I said, we'll work it out. Like if, if the online sales start to come, you can give me a percentage of those. We can come to an agreement. And so that was the, the origin of all of this was basically working for free. I believe I knew it was going to be a, a great product. I knew it would have legs online. I just, and Ryan believed that too. He just didn't have the, you know, he had only done local business. So he did not have the skills or the, the ability to get it online and just didn't kind of know where to start. So it was a really great timing for both of us. And then as that transition in 2019, we started selling online. Um, it was a little, it was slow and it was, it was just kind of a steady grind as far as the sales on Shopify. What we actually jumped into primarily in 2019 was wholesale selling into other brick and mortars. And so we got into a bunch of golf courses and Ryan and I traveled to a dozen trade shows in 2019. So we were gone a lot going to things like Ace Hardware shows, True Value, some convenience store shows, uh, the National Hardware Show. We went to the PGA Merchandise Show in Orlando. It's a golf show. Basically getting our boots on the ground, him and I, and sometimes some friends for larger shows and just sampling like crazy. Like I've, I've, I know I've given 5,000 people toe to toe samples and that did a lot of things for the company. Um, it got us some clients or got us some, some sales. It got us some placement as far as, you know, being in different brick and mortars throughout the country. It gave us a lot of personal credibility and confidence that like, this is a really good product. It's not just us that thinks so it's every person that tastes it is like, Oh my gosh, like this is amazing. And it gave us some objections that we knew we had to overcome. And it gave us the kind of the bullet points that you'll find on our website now. Like what do people actually care about? Because you find that out really quickly whenever you're standing in front of them and you've just convinced them to try something they didn't want to try. Cause they think it's like the other, the other brands out there. And then you see their eyes light up and, and we saw our target audience completely differently. I mean, it was, that is expensive. It is time consuming. It is stressful. I'm an introvert. So it's very tiring to be 12 hours, you know, standing on a trade show floor and talking to people and getting their feedback. But I got to say, I, I don't think that we would do it any other way because that was like baptism by fire immersion into client or customer research and development. So through that, through learning all that we learned there, we've changed all our packaging, all our messaging, um, you know, the, the brand has evolved. And it, so it was, it was a year of, of, torture in some ways, but it was also very exciting. Um, and, and so, yeah, we'll, we'll t- we talk about the details, but then kind of heading into 2020, we were, we were, we'd continually grown our online sales, but you know, everyone knows in 2020 what happened, um, when COVID hit. So we were already focusing on growing our online sales based on all that we had learned at these trade shows. And then we were, you know, 20, the, the shutdown started. A lot of people started being more comfortable with selling online. So we had a huge spike in our online business, uh, but we were well positioned for it because of our experience in 2019. Awesome. So I think the, the key thing here you mentioned was about how you, you went, you, you're sampling. So you're giving away things for free, but you got a lot of in maybe invaluable uh, feedback 
coming from it. You mentioned a couple of things here, which is, was which was uh, getting the, these brick and mortar clients, but also building your own confidence, which I think is really key here. I think it gives you that fuel to keep going. That way, wow, people actually like this, and it, it helps you keep going. Right, that that there is a, a something here, and then now the, the most uh, kind of actionable things that came out of it, or maybe more, more more practical things that came out of it, was to be able to have the sampling. Uh, actually write the marketing and develop the marketing and the messaging for you. You mentioned uh, how to, or rather what the objections were. Tell us more about that. What were some of the objections that came up that you discovered through sampling and how did you uh, address those objections in your marketing? Yeah. I mean, the number one is the need for education in our, in our market. The, the, massive problem we face is what I mentioned earlier. It's not just, I'm not just throwing, you know, Slim Jim as a brand under the bus. There's Jack Links. There's lots of national brands that sell a variety of meat products and they all have, they're like mechanically separated chicken. They have artificial ingredients. You know, people have this, this memory of picking them up at a gas station and having a headache after they ate it because it has MSG or soy or different food allergens. So that's the reaction that we, got way more than we would have ever expected. So I think I can share a great example. We went to the PGA Merchandise Show. Again, it's a golf show. It was our very first trade show. It was in January of 2019. We had no idea what we were doing. It was very expensive. We flew down there, a ton of samples. And we expected like golf pros to be there. You know, not, not, not like PGA professionals, but like if people go to a local golf course, they typically have a club pro. So he's a member of the PGA and he is, and I say he, because they're almost all male. They're definitely females. But most of the people who manage golf courses, that's who we we're thinking about as, as being our customer at the show, because we wanted them to sample and then sell them at their golf shop or sell them on the course. So they were there, of course, a lot of middle-aged men. And we thought, hey, we sell meat snacks. These middle-aged men are going to like meat snacks. And that was true. What we didn't expect was the moms and kids who came along to the trade shows. And so they would come by. And like, hey, I would love for you to try this. And they're like, hey, I know your four-year-old daughter would love this teriyaki stick. And they would just look at us like we're crazy. Like, oh, we don't eat that stuff. Because in their mind, it was this unhealthy, you know, full of junk. And it would have a bad texture. And then they wouldn't be able to get the film off the mouth. You know, that that's the experience people have with meat snacks in the past. So that's like the number one objection is like, I'm just not going to like it. I don't, I can't, yeah, I can't eat that. Like I can't have soy, I can't have gluten, I can't have MSG, all the stuff that's in traditional, these traditional impulse snacks. So the health things were a big objection. But even bigger than that was the fact that people just assumed they wouldn't like it, they assumed they wouldn't like the taste and texture. So and I say people, uh, the people who are not like your traditional gas station, you know, contractors grabbing a snack, you know, at the at the local gas station on their way to a job site. So we, we originally thought that was our customer because that's the traditional demographic that's been targeted in this market. What we very quickly discovered is like those people will eat it, but they only care about taste. Then there's the people who would only eat something uber clean who don't care about taste at all. Like there's other products in our category that are really, really, really clean, all grass fed beef, whole 30 approved. But in my opinion, their taste and texture is just not good. So what we learned was, okay, we need to lead with the taste because people don't care about the health claims if, if it tastes horrible. You know, the people that we want to talk to, we're not at a, you know, national health symposium. We're at a, you know, a trade show a golf with golf people and golf families. Once we convince them that it's going to taste good 
all I have to do is get them to try a bite. They've, now they're convinced that, okay, this actually tastes awesome. The texture is really good. This is different. So now the exciting part is, okay, mom, I want you to look at this carton, look at the nutrition facts. Like there's no five syllable words. There's no, there's no dairy, wheat, soy, like all these major food allergens that us as parents are dealing with out there. There's no gluten. And so the clean ingredients becomes like this super bonus, like, oh, wow. Like not only do these taste good, but I can actually feel good send them to my kid in their lunchbox so they can take them to the you know youth baseball games because they don't have allergens in them. So that's what, I mean, that's the big message. So on our website, you'll see like exceptional taste, clean ingredients. That's kind of the two, two, two sentence summary or two phrase summary of, of how we market. People care a lot about taste. Our people do but they also value clean ingredients. And so um, that, that's, that's, that's what we learned. We've, and then now we know, you know, after, after you're know, looking back two years after that, 65, 70% of the people that order from us online are female. So they may be eating them themselves. They may be buying them for their family or their kids or their husband. You know, women are the primary grocery buyer in most households. But like, man, you would have told me that in 2000, early 2019, I would have thought you're crazy. But, and, and most people assume our audience is all male and it's actually not at all. It's actually primarily female, uh, which is something we would have never guessed had we not been through uh, this, these different experiences. Yeah. And what about how it plays out in your, in your packaging? You had mentioned that you had changed that over time as well. Uh, how, I would assume, you know, changing a website, changing the copy on a website is way cheaper, right? Than changing your packaging. So tell us about your experience uh, with the, with evolving the packaging. Yeah. I mean, our, our initial packaging was about as cheap as you can get. It was just plastic and we had stickers, you know, with the, the different flavors. Um, and that was kind of similar to the stuff that Ryan sold in his meat shop, the, the, the kind of family looking old, old fashioned type of, of label. Then we went to, when I got involved and it became fire Creek snacks, we, we were still using stickers because stickers is just a cheaper way to, to do packaging, not on a per unit basis, but the, the startup cost to go beyond stickers is, is pretty high. So in the sense, so once we realized, Hey, it's time to go to a fully printed film, which is what we use now is it's a, much more premium look. It gives you a ton of surface area to put messaging on. It's front and back um, printed. So actually, if you flip over the back of one of our snack sticks, the full ingredients and nutrition panel is on the stick itself. And so then so once we knew we're heading that way, we knew we wanted to update the messaging. So if you look at our, our sticks and if you look at the cartons that are on display at a store, it's very, for one, they're very bold colors because we want to be, we want people to understand there's Four, now four different flavors and that they are very different flavors. So they actually have um, food imagery on them. So like I'm looking at our sweet heat barbecue, it's got like a barbecue sauce and peppers and it looks kind of like, it almost looks like uh, an all natural, you know, food. Like if you didn't know it was in the box, you, didn't, you would never guess it's a snack stick, but it's also got all the claims that people actually care about the health claims. So it says gluten-free. That's a big objection in our space. Um, seven grams of protein because we primarily get a lot of high protein, um, low sugar type people. It could be keto, could just be people who don't like to eat a lot of sugar. Um, no MSG, no soy. And then the other thing you might notice on there is it's product of the USA. That's a big differentiator in our space. Um, a lot of our more clean competitors who are, who are using like grass fed beef, a lot of that actually comes from Argentina, Tasmania, uh, New Zealand. And then a lot, of course, a lot of people get their packaging supplies overseas as well for cost, but 
we're pretty proud of the fact that we're a Midwest U.S. company. Uh, we currently only sell in the U.S. We, we'll expand that eventually. So yeah, that product of the USA is another thing that we found out people found important, and it's important to Ryan and I personally. So that's that's also featured on our packaging. Yeah, and and as you're learning these things and changing your packaging, again, because we had mentioned that it's very expensive to to do this. Are there ways to test it out, or just to be? I guess what approach would you take to make sure that you limit the number of times you have to change your your packaging? Yeah, for sure. I mean, one of the basic things we would do is get prototypes of the cartons, the things that would be on display in a brick and mortar store, and I think there's a fancy name for it, like some kind of visual acuity test or something. But basically, we would we would go into a gro- a local you know retailer grocery store, and we would put it on the shelf next to the competitors. And then step away and try to, and or you have our wives come, people who aren't quite as wrapped up in it. And like, does it stand out? What's the first thing you notice? Does it look different than the things next to it? And that's really helpful at the carton level, the, the kind of display level. We also have a, a floor display that some retailers will take. And it's like a freestanding floor display. It's got those health claims front and center right on there too. It's got our logo up top, which looks like a big flame. So it kind of catches your eye. But on the, the sticks themselves, like what you would see on our website, because people are primarily buying loose, you know, snack stick, different quantities or different sampler packs. Um, yeah, the the visuals there, I, I think the thing that most people notice is the, the the significant difference in each package based on the color. And so that was kind of crowdsourced. You know, it's it's asking, we have the benefit of having, uh, you know, two brick and mortar stores. So Ryan could put stuff out there and then ask people for feedback. And um, same thing when we're developing new flavors, like, he is like a meat genius. He's, he's a, I didn't mention, he's a third generation owner of this family business. And so he, he's done this his whole life. He's really, really good at it. So I value his opinion highly, but you know, we'll take it to our friends and family, which is good, but you kind of get skewed feedback. So the best thing you can do, whether it's trying out uh, a different packaging or trying out a different flavor is have real people buy it in his actual stores and then get their feedback on, you know, on the spot. Um, so we, we do a lot of that. We're not super sophisticated in the sense of doing big market studies. We are much more hands-on. We like to let people try things and give us immediate feedback and, and kind of press them to be honest because people tend to try to be too kind. Um, yeah. So I think I mentioned we're on our fourth generation of packaging. I hope it's our last for a long time <laughs> because uh, if people are, are not familiar with consumer packaged goods, when you're getting the you know, the individual stick packaging and the cartons. And then we've got cases that hold the cartons. We've got this floor display. These things are all very expensive to do like the initial run. Like you get plates made. It's And so it's costing thousands of dollars to get one of these things made. But after you get that initial investment, the per unit cost is actually much cheaper than doing it the way we did previously. The, the fully printed film is very efficient, but it's expensive to set up. So yeah, changes are killer. <laughs> so we were, and the other thing with our product is it's USDA inspected um, because it's a meat product and it goes over state lines. We, we have their, our, our manufacturing partners have USDA inspectors on site, uh, federally inspected. So it's got that on the, on the packaging, but that also means all of our nutrition facts, it all has to be sent off, you know, for verification and certification. So it's also a slow process. So we, we, our fourth flavor, so we have original, just like a jerky flavor. We have kicker, which is a spicy version of that. We have teriyaki, which is our most popular. Um, and we are, our newest is sweet heat barbecue. And so we actually started developing that. We had the recipe. We knew exactly what we wanted last February. 
And then, you know, COVID happened. So the USDA approvals took like seven months. And then we had delays in getting materials for the, you know, there was like a, a plastic shortage <laughs> this year because of supply chain. So, I mean, it took like, we ended up releasing it, I think it was March of 2021. So it took over a year to get that from knowing exactly what we wanted to actually having it in our hands. So that, it's, it's a tough process if you're trying to make changes. Yeah, it makes sense. Now, you know, speaking of the things that can kill your business, one thing I mentioned to us was about how you almost went bankrupt due to uh, the way that you jumped into Facebook ads very quickly with a big agency before you're ready. So tell us more about that. What what uh, what happened? Yeah, this was a, a major lesson learned. So like I said, 2019, very beginning, we're doing this trade show and then we're kind of going the next trade show, the next trade show. We realized quickly that we're getting over extended on our wholesale business that it's it's tough it's going to take time it's the the profit margins aren't very good so of course we want to get more online business um and i should mention this was there's a period here where i'm kind of working for free i'm i'm advising helping ryan i'm doing the online marketing but i'm not like a business i'm not have no part of business and so he had a friend of a friend who had a an agency and they were very good people but they were very expensive and you know and so for their thousands of dollars of fees they wanted to like immediately spend a ton of money on Facebook ads to kind of justify their fees. And they're used to working with big brands and, and things like that. And this is like very much the startup stage. And so again, this is all Ryan's decision. I'm not blaming him. I didn't, you know, I didn't complain too hard, but I was like, this, this might be pretty risky. So in that whole, that first quarter of 2019, while we're busy traveling and doing other stuff, he kind of says, okay, new agency, do your thing. And they never did get a positive ROAS. We, I think it was four months that he was paying their fees, plus losing money on the ads. We got sales, but it was not nearly enough to justify it. And yeah, it was that was basically coming out of Ryan's bank account at that point. Um, and it was not an exaggeration to say it almost bankrupted things. I mean, it was like, oh my gosh, this was a big mistake. Um, yeah, and then I got invited. It kind of opened up an opportunity for me in a sense because he was kind of like, oh no, you know, this is this is not going well. And I, you know, so I was able to buy in and become a partner, uh, you know, in that second quarter of 2019. And then have since increased my equity to, you know, to where we're nearly equal partners now. But um, but yeah, that was that was kind of again, I don't really believe in coincidences. It's kind of like, well, this was really painful. But it opened his eyes into like the value of having a, a partner on 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 board and and you know, at that point I had been traveling and selling, you know, getting the, the online sales that we had without those ads and, and organically. And that he could see the value of what I was doing. So it, it kind of culminated in a really good opportunity for both of us, but it was definitely painful uh, going through it and very stressful. Yeah. And, and what about today? Is that something that you guys invest in and Facebook ads or any kind of paid acquisition? We do. Um, so we've always kind of done, I, I, after that experience, I basically handled the stuff we always done, you know, retargeting, just basic things to get our product back in front of people that have been to our side or abandoned carts. So that's always very profitable. In I'd say the last three months or so, we've engaged with a much smaller agency. Um, we're not quite hitting the goals that we established with them, but their fees aren't nearly as high to overcome. And they're, they're very high touch. Like we talk weekly, they take my input seriously. And so I think that, you know, we're going to stick with that route. Um, we're not spending a ton I mean, the, our primary marketing channel is is partnerships. I mean, we can talk about that if you'd like. I think people would probably find it interesting all the all the ways that we've grown our online business for free, basically without paying for ads. Yeah, let's talk about it. Yeah, you mentioned yeah, earlier about the the strategy of partnerships. Tell us more about how that works. What is it? What do you mean by partnership? 
So basically just getting your brand, your product in front of someone else's audience is the most basic thing, right? In, in a way that's mutually beneficial. So I'll come back to podcasts because that like what we're doing right now is one of those channels for sure. It's probably, it's definitely the biggest for me uh, personally, because I like, I just like, I love listening to podcasts. I like being on podcasts, but some other things that we've done just to kind of open people's minds is we've been featured in a lot of different, uh, different subscription boxes. So the, the financials of that can be handled different ways, but like if we're in a box of keto snacks, that's a really good way for us to get in front of a highly qualified uh, customer, usually for free or maybe with a donation of some product. Um, I've done things like getting email features from people in related industries that aren't competitors. So an example of that would be I have a coaching client who's in the barbecue space. So he's a brand ambassador. He does a lot of content with grilling and smoking meat. So the people on his email list like meat and they like smoked meat and our, and ours are made with real hickory smoke. So people who like that kind of flavor and nostalgia will really like our product. So he, I said, Hey, if you'll do an honest review, he was, he and, he and his wife were already subscribers. I knew he was, he liked the product. So if you'll do a review, take some photos and send it to your email list, I'll give you a discount code so that they win, you win. I'll give you some, you know, some direct payment as like a sponsoring your, your post. And so that's a partnership. I got in front of a highly qualified audience it was a win for him, it was a win for us. And it, our ROI on that was great, even though we did spend some money. I've done lots of other giveaways with smaller people or people that aren't quite as targeted where there's no money involved. Just maybe just giving them some product to try out and they can give an honest review. So that's a really basic partnership. But the the primary thing that I focus on is getting in front of other people's online audiences. That could be a YouTube review or interview. It could be in, doing an Instagram live. I'm doing that with some keto influencers here in, a, in about a week. We're going to do a giveaway. And then they're going to basically, all of them are going to promote it through their Instagram all for free, just because they like, they like me. I, and I, the way, the way it came about was I was on their podcast. And so we've developed a relationship. And, and then again, kind of the, the major thing that anyone listening would be familiar with is podcasts. So if you have a good story, if you have some things of value that you can offer to an audience, you know, it's a great long format, you know, opportunity. So, you know, we're talking for probably nearly an hour as people know the brand story, they understand what the product's about, the, the pains we've been through, the, the accomplishments we've had. And so a lot of people just want to try it just to support a small business and just because they, they would like to eat this way too. And so, that could be on a business podcast like this or an e-commerce podcast like this. I've been on, you know, kind of what I call gluten-free mom shows, people that talk about gluten-free eating. I've been on several keto related podcasts. And so they're all in any audience, there is our customer. You know, some portion of that audience is someone who likes to eat protein, they're they like to eat clean, um, and they just like to, you know, a tasty snack, or they have kids that like tasty snacks. And so, yeah, and, and for me, it's just fun, right? And, and so for people listening and are thinking about this, what I would say is there's, there's the aspect of direct sales. Like I can give a coupon code today and hopefully some people will go buy some snacks. That's awesome. That makes it worthwhile on its own, but it goes so much deeper than that. And that, the reason this is so much better in my opinion than like Facebook ads is it's long format, like I said, but there's, there'll be great relationships that come out of our recording. So like now Felix and I know each other. So he may know another brand that I should talk to or a Facebook agency or a, a you know a potential partner. And there's lots of people listening and maybe they have a brand that they have an online, a Shopify store. They think they would like to sell our product as a wholesaler, right? Or they're a distributor or 
they know someone. I just literally happened to me. I met the lead snacks buyer for protein at Walmart because someone heard me on a podcast. Um, because it's just, it's all about relationships. And the cool thing about being in front of a, a, a reasonable sized audience of people who are ambitious is they all either do things themselves or they know people and I'll hopefully get emails and we'll make connections. I'll have, you know, zoom calls with people. And I just get to meet a lot of cool people. And I, I'd say the past two years, you know, the best relationships, business relationships I've had have been because I've been on a podcast and someone resonated with some part of my story and reached out. And I, I always give my email address and I'm very open to those, those opportunities. Um, and then kind of the, the more technical thing is, you know, it's great for SEO because there'll be backlinks from, you know, from different websites. If you're on their show, um, it's, it gives you a lot of credibility in my opinion. Like I've been on like 20 podcasts, so it, it makes fire Creek seem legitimate. Like the, a lot of the coaching I do with business people is getting their business dialed in and ready and then helping them get on other people's platforms. Um, to benefit their business, you know? So I have a health coach. We, we can find podcasts to talk about chronic pain and chronic illness and get her on there because she has a lot of value and her story is extremely touching. Um, but don't get on there until you're ready and you have a call to action and you have, you have a, a business purpose. So I think anyone listening who's got a Shopify store, if you sell a product or if you do services in this area, there are some podcasts, probably some that you listen to that you should prepare, you know, to, to try to get in, on those in front of those audiences and serve them, like do a really good job. And then you'll, you'll, uh, you'll, you'll see the returns and it's just, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun and it's, uh, it's a lot better than spending thousands of dollars on, <laughs> on Facebook agencies. If you can, if you can avoid that. Yeah. And uh, speaking of having call to action, you had mentioned that you have a discount code for any listeners that might be interested in purchasing uh, from your, your store. Can you share that with the audience? Yeah, absolutely. So the store is just firecreeksnacks.com and the coupon code is just Shopify. So if you put in Shopify at checkout, I'm sure everyone on here is familiar with the Shopify checkout. Um, it'll take 15% off your order. Um, yeah, I'd love to, uh, to get some snacks in people's hands and, and get their feedback. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of your, your website, one thing that I noticed was that on the main landing page, it's not structured like a typical kind of a landing page, typical homepage of any other websites, almost reminiscent of almost like a sales page that you come across. Talk to us more about the this design decision into making the the the, the main, I guess, the, the landing page of your website uh, designed this way. Yeah, some people think this is clever. Some people think it's cringy. For me, it's just kind of how it happened. So if you go to firecreeksnacks.com, that's actually a WordPress site. And so I'm very adept at WordPress and I can do the landing pages and all those things. And then if you click, when you click buy now or shop, it takes you to shop.firecreeksnacks.com, which is a subdomain. And that's where now you're on Shopify, right? So one of the reasons it probably looks different is that main homepage is not actually Shopify. Shopify is on a subdomain of it. So, you know, to get technical, um, but it works really well. It's, it's a simple page. You know, it's kind of like our main website just has the, the landing page you mentioned and it's got nutrition facts and it's got you know a review section for, to see all the different testimonials and a contact form. But anytime you click anything on that site that says shop, it, you're now immediately on the Shopify store page, which probably looks more like a traditional Shopify store with all the products right there. And, and uh, you know, then the product detail pages below those. Um, but yeah, that's, it's worked out really well. Um, you know, we, our conversion rate is 10 to 12%, which 
which is really high. Now that's, you know, skewed because not all of our traffic makes it to Shopify, but once people get to Shopify, they're very highly converting. Um, so yeah, it's, it's something I may modify in the future, but that's kind of how it ended up and it's worked really well. So I haven't changed. I didn't want to change it. Awesome. Yeah. One other thing I noticed too, was that you lead with uh, video kind of testimonials and reviews, uh, which you, you don't see too often, but I think that's a, a great thing to try. Just lends more credibility to, to the reviews that, that are, are, are given by your customers. Um, now I want to ask, you know, one other thing about the website that the, are there any particular tools or apps that you rely on to, to help run the business? Yeah. So one, like you mentioned, some of those testimonials um, is it's called looks, which is L O O X. Um, and that's basically our, our testimonial review capture tool. So it's an app on Shopify that, you know, automatically prompts people. I think it's t- two weeks after their order to come back and leave a review. Um, and then if they leave an image or video in that review, then they get a coupon code for 20% off. So it really incentivizes people to leave good reviews. Um, and we, I only started it was a big mistake. I only started collecting those maybe last October or something. And I think we're over nearly 400, which is not a ton, but, um, it, you know, it's, it's a huge improvement over zero. And so you can see in, in the Shopify portion of the site and that homepage site. And really when we run promotions and we have landing pages, I always have a bunch of those reviews on there with real people, their faces that helps a lot for me to get that, that education piece. Like when people see it's a mom or it's a kid eating the snack stick, like, like, Oh wait, this is different than what I, you know, what I think of when I think of snack sticks. So it's kind of an instant way to not only give credibility, but kind of qualify people. So that's looks, um, we use bold subscriptions, you know, subscriptions are a significant part of our business. And when people usually they buy a, a sampler pack the first time through, and then when they do a subscribe and save, they save additional money. Um, and so then they get regular, regular shipments. Um, and then we are currently adding, I'm like right in the process of adding one click upsell. So we've had tons of success and, and I've done digital marketing for all these years and we have never even had an upsell on the site, which is a huge opportunity lost. Um, so we're adding that. And the other thing we're adding, uh, here in this month is postscript, which is an SMS marketing tool. We've also not been collecting SMS. So we do a lot of email marketing and email marketing is our primary revenue driver from our existing customers, but we're definitely excited to get into SMS. Awesome. Again, firecreeksnacks.com is the website. And I'll leave you with this last question. What would you say has been the biggest lesson you've learned over the last year that you're now applying moving forward? I'd say my biggest lesson in business is that partnerships are everything. And so it, and it's, I described several, several levels and several types of partnerships so when I say partnership, it's doesn't, it's not necessarily a formal partnership. It's this, it's, it's the win-win scenario, right? Like if you can provide value to someone, it's like inevitable that that's going to come back to you. I describe that as a partnership. Um, and, and so in business, there's lots of ways that those can come about, but I, that's my number one lesson. I'm, I'm always on the lookout for great partnerships, for new relationships, new friendships, new you know mastermind counterparts. I, I love to learn and I love to, to give and, and, you know, help people with the experiences that I've had. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your experience, Dustin. Absolutely, Felix. It was awesome. Thank you for having me. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Shopify Masters, the e-commerce podcast for ambitious entrepreneurs powered by Shopify.